as ever, I can tell you that. <laughs> We're putting our hands on passes and balls. and Receivers, uh, they couldn't catch a cold if it was the middle of February. Well, well I don't get it. I get a day cold. It's no good! He missed it. it! He missed it! Drop it on my feet next time. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 34 of the Soda City Sit-Down. We got another fun episode laid out for everybody. It's going to go over a lot of stuff that's happened in sports in the last week. It's been really a roller coaster. As always, for housekeeping, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at the SC Sit Down on each of those accounts. If you're listening to the podcast, you're obviously listening on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. So whichever um, whichever program you're on, give us either a subscription there on Spotify. Subscribe to us as well on on Apple Podcasts. Give us some star ratings. Give us a review. Uh, we'd love if you be kind, but you know, like I said every week, uh, the honesty is the best policy. So tell us what you think. If you think we should be getting better, then let us know so we can do that. Also, for housekeeping, a little bit more this week, we're wiping down surfaces. We're cleaning everything up <laughs> because COVID has infiltrated the Soda City sit down. How, how are we all feeling, everybody? How are you feeling? feeling good? I'm feeling, I'm feeling great. Good. I mean, except for a hurricane coming to oh. Louisiana, but yeah, ah, yeah, a double dose, double dose. Be but fun. you're from, uh, well, you're from Columbia, I guess. Yeah. You know, me and Austin being from Charleston, it's like, ah, it's just a hurricane. Yeah, but I feel it's physically fine. Man. Like I'm not sick or anything, unlike some people. Austin, how are you feeling? Uh, I feel like a million bucks. Hey, so four of us said we're good. So, so who are we missing, missing here? <coughs> <laughs> Matt? Oh no! Yeah. Yeah. Not Matt. Not so, Matt. So we, we, yeah, we had a bet five months ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who would be the first one to get it? Well, I, I tested positive. Now I sound fine because the only symptom I have is I can't smell anything. But that's it. You might it. Just be a late bloomer. You might be I getting hope not. Like, this might on. be my last my last episode, everybody. <laughs> that's horrible. Oh I, I hope not. Good oh my god, that was, that, was a, that was a joke. But it could be. I'm kidding. kidding. We're kidding. kidding. I'm doing fine. Kidding. Ha ha. We'll, we'll be good. We pretend to be a comedy podcast sometimes. Ha ha. This podcast is just a joke in general. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt Matt was out uh, quarantine simping with his girlfriend who also has COVID. Uh, who shall not be named. The, the yeah. man who claimed to have an elite... An elite immune system. Turns Compromised. Out, turns out the question of is Joe Flacco elite is now, is Matt's immune system elite? He kept the answer him. is no. It's because while he has COVID, he's also asymptomatic. So he's also a simp, for too. He's also a simp. Damn it! Oh. <laughs> Beat you to it. Symptomatic. I have a statement. I'd like to uh, I'd like to apologize to Gamecock Nation for adding another number to an already worrisome count for COVID. It is totally my fault. I should never have been simping, and because of this, I've now put the football season more at risk than it was before. That's a apology one of many for this episode because as we continue along, you will see that. Basically, everything I've said for the last few weeks is getting contradicted all on the same week. So, uh, there, there's one. Anyway, continue. Well, now, now you must, 
as as a result of all this, Rudy, go bury your mic and tap out. <laughs> there it is. There it is, everybody. That's it. That's it. All right. Yes. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get into the long list of Matt's redactions here. Uh, so starting out, it's been most part been an absolute roller coaster and not of the best kinds for Gamecock football. Uh, last week, we did our schedule predictions. We were pretty optimistic with everything because we were feeling pretty optimistic about this season. And we record on Wednesday nights. Except for me. Okay, true. So Clayton was probably right where everyone should have been last Wednesday night when we recorded. Uh, so, you know, if you haven't caught on by now, we record on Wednesday nights. We release it normally on Thursday afternoons or Friday mornings, uh, just depending on uh, what Thursday afternoon. Yeah, you've been pretty consistent with Thursday afternoon. Almost always, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess maybe at the beginning, in the beginning it was some Friday afternoons, but that's yeah. that's not important at this point. Uh, but what is important is between the short window of time that we recorded and released a podcast, all hell broke loose. And Marshawn Lloyd, the five-star, hopefully will be a star, running back, Marshawn Lloyd, tore his ACL in practice and is lost for the season for the Gamecocks in 2020. An absolute crushing blow. I, it's just, we can't catch a break, right? We, we can't catch a break. It's tough because, I mean, uh, I guess I'll do this now. Apology number two, um, when we did our running back room breakdown, Marino suggested, well, what happens when one of our elite running backs gets hurt, especially if it's Lloyd? And I said, not going to happen. Marshawn Lloyd's not getting hurt. <laughs> Don't let so, Matthew uh, say anything. I apologize to Game Cognition yet again. For my second curse. Ah, uh, man, it's really tough because we really wanted to see Lloyd come in and do great things. What what really stung for me was Deshaun Fenwick was being interviewed while the news was just in the in its infancy of being spread and everything. And he was somebody asked him about what Lloyd looked like in practice. And Fenwick straight up says, Man, you guys gotta come see him. Like, all I can say is freshman all SEC, he looks incredible. And to hear that from another running back that he's in competition with is was, was just like a really good thing to hear. Lloyd also just like it, it, it always seems to happen to the best people. And just from what he said and from what you've heard about his just work ethic on the field and off the field, it sounds like he is in great spirits despite everything. I mean, it could have literally happened to anyone at any time. And it just so happened that he just, was running from what the coaching staff was saying. It was running and then just kind of stumbled, got up and hobbled off the field. And that was it. That that's his, that's his freshman year right there. And, you know, I guess when it comes to the NCAA and eligibility and everything, it seems like we won't technically be losing him for that year. So we'll, he won't lose any eligibility or anything. We won't have to use a red shirt, but it still hurts because we were really excited to see what he could do this year. But just based off what he's done, his work ethic and everything, I'm sure he'll come back stronger. But being a running back, it, it is still a little bit worrisome. And definitely thoughts and prayers go out to him from us this week. Yeah, definitely. But he, just going to like how good of a guy he is when Muschamp came over to talk to him and just he like said, I'm so sorry to him. Lloyd responded with like, it's all part of the plan. It was meant to happen. And so he's just like not super down on it. And he seems like he's already ready to start working on getting back into it and improving he i'm sure he's going to take plenty of time to study the playbook and 
you know, we're going to get as good of a version as we could possibly get of this super talented running back next year. Well, I think, I think the one bright side to it as well is, you know, there is another running back from South Carolina in the past who recently worked with South Carolina on the actual team. Who knows what this injury is like? Who knows what the, you know, the, the, the rehab is like and everything. So having, you know, Marcus Lattimore as someone that, that could, I assume already reached out to him and communicated with him is it, that's really awesome. He's got a mentor that he can reach out to in terms of dealing with the injury. Anytime that Marcus Lattimore touches the the team in any way, I'm always happy. So yeah, but definitely a, a really sad moment. It also seems like all of these Gamecock updates happen. Like as it, last week, we hadn't even released our episode from the previous day. And this news was out. So by the time our episode 33, I think it was, yeah, 33 went out, everything we had been talking about, the only news was Marshawn Lloyd and then the news that came later. So, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> Did, didn't the guy who tweeted the, the player saying that about Marshawn Lloyd, like, make the tweet? And then, like, 20 minutes later, had to tweet out that he, like, tore his ACL. So it was like, he had yeah, two tweets I mean, back to back, and it was, like, completely conflicting. Someone someone shared like the screenshot of those two tweets and it was like what it's like to be a Gamecock fan and it and the, and the guy we we're talking it's about not wrong David Cloninger who's in my opinion probably it was. one of the better if not the best like beat writer for the Gamecocks coming out of the Post and Courier I follow him and he's like the the Woj or the Rappaport of uh of like Carolina athletics like he tweets about everything he gets everything first it's official when he puts it out in my opinion I don't know how other people feel about everybody else that might just be a little bit of local bias since he's with the posting courier but and, and that's just how i it's feel better and than then, the state <laughs> well he was with the state actually uh he's only been with the posting courier for about two years um if that but uh but it probably and that's why the state's it. going downhill oh, yeah that's <laughs> so why. uh it was kind of like everything was starting with those rumors and then it was like well cloninger just put out that finwick said that like he looks like an all sc guy and i was like so i think we might be in the clear and like Right after that, there were some reports that were like, well, they don't think it's as bad as everyone's reporting. And then it was like, just kidding. He is a torn ACL. He's lost for the season. So it was, a, it was a pretty crappy start to the day. But the week wasn't all doom and gloom for the Gamecocks. As the it, day. The yeah, day. I could have I could yeah, it was the same day or not. The same day. So the same day. It was the same day, duh, because we'll talk about that later. But, um, but the same exact day. Five-star quarterback out of Raven High School. Got to praise that. Good name. Good name. In Georgia, Gunnar Stockton commits to the Gamecocks. Becoming the best all-time quarterback recruit. Another five-star in the fold for Will Muschamp. And there's a lot of implications there, too. But uh, before we get to that part, how excited are we to land a guy like this? So hype. Let's go. Woo! Another another year, another record-breaking quarterback commit. Well, I had I had one thing that I don't have to apologize for, and it was talking last week about how there was some big hype on Gunnar Stockton. It was like the one thing I, I got right and didn't curse myself on. Knocked but, on wood aggressively. Well, you know you're two of three. So let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Day <laughs> point on. I'm not I'm not saying anything more than that. No, no future <laughs> prediction. Thank but you. I will say that Gunnar Stockton. Highest ranked quarterback we've ever had. I think he was like seventh in overall. These are all facts. All, all facts. Time. We're not giving any opinion for Matt. All facts. 
<laughs> I think facts. he was also 43 at the top 100 for his year, I think, or something Isn't like that. Isn't he – yeah, depending top, on where you looked. I thought I saw he was there. the top dual-threat quarterback for his class and the number two quarterback for the class. Is that correct? I could see that. I don't know if that's I think it depends, it, I mean, where it you always depends on where you yeah. look. Yeah. Regardless, a five-star talent, number two, I think, was the general consensus on uh, quarterback rankings, the number two quarterback in the nation. Obviously, we're still two years out from Stockton ever playing, so he's got to hold firm in his commitment throughout the entire period of recruiting, which I, I think just with having Shaw, who he's got a lifelong connection with, as well as the Bobo family, I think that's definitely something that has played into our hands as the recruiting process has gone on. That being said, two years away, don't want to get too, too excited about it, but definitely something that we're interested in. Plus, what I was almost as interested in is how quickly he went to talking about how many potential future recruits that he was trying to get to come in, notably a couple four and five star wide receivers that also sounded like they really had an opinion that they, they might want to come here. So that'll be something in recruiting that we keep an eye on. Certainly don't know how many of those guys will pan out, but I mean, heck, if we get one or two, four to five star receivers that come in because of Stockton, that's a huge Oh my win. God. It's better than a game. Yeah. And so I, one question I have with this is regardless of what we think Stockton's impact is going to be when he gets here, because that is a really long period of time away and adds to a huge quarterback room. Like potentially we could have so much talent in that quarterback room, but this, this makes the talk about Muschamp losing his job diminish a little bit, I would imagine, because without Muschamp, without Bobo and potentially without Connor Shaw, I don't think we hold this commitment. And with, with all of them, I think, I think that's why he committed so early. And so, yeah. So honestly, like he, he sounds a hundred percent, but without those guys, then we lose. I was going to, I was going to bring that up. I was going to bring that up because of course I'm incredibly, incredibly excited. I mean, most schools don't land a five-star quarterback in any recruiting cycle. Uh, and Carolina has never done it and we just did it. But like he said, I think, I mean, we're two years away with a coach on the hot seat. I think that Muschamp makes it 2021 regardless, except for like, unless we go two and eight or worse, to be completely honest, which could always happen because we're South Carolina, but I don't necessarily see it happening. So I think we get 2021 out of Muschamp regardless, but it is that question is going to be, is Will Muschamp going to be the South Carolina football head coach in 2022? If he is, then I see that commitment staying firm. If it doesn't, then it's going to get pretty shaky. I, I just don't know if if we would keep him in that situation. It'd be great regardless if he was committed all the way through and through. But I, like you said, I think this relies so much on not even as much Muschamp, but having Bobo as the offensive coordinator. That's the, that's the key piece right there outside of Shaw. Yeah, I don't think Muschamp was getting fired anyways because uh, money reasons. But he is making it like almost impossible, in my opinion, to fire Muschamp at this point. Like he has to like do catastrophically bad to get fired. And even if he does catastrophically bad, I'm kind of of the opinion that you let him stay and get this 2022 recruiting class in because obviously we have Stockton and potential guys that he's influencing, but just the talent that's around 2021 doesn't have a ton of in-state talent. 2022 has a ton 
And that's that's a recruiting class that we can't miss out on. So if if you see Muschamp continue to just st- struggle when it comes to results and like we're at the point where we have to move on, I think they'll at least wait until that the two-year point from now. I think once we have that 2022 class in. But we're not hoping for that. We're hoping that yeah, of course. we can get to that point and start showing some potential. That That's what we're looking for. And then that 2022 class could be the start of something really special. I, I definitely yeah. agree. It would – I mean, I don't want to go like three and seven and then like three and nine and then really make it mediocre seasons. And we're like, oh, there's this recruiting class. And like we go like four and eight and we're like, change. I don't want that to happen. You know, obviously I like solid, respectable seasons over the next two years. And then, you know, I think the record is not as important to me as just Muschamp showing an ability to develop talent because he's already got the talent there. And he is like shown that he's not great at developing it, even though he's really, he's great at recruiting it. I want to see him take some of the guys that he like super highly recruited guys that he has gotten and Develop them and to the point where we see some studs. So on basically, you're saying that if we go six and six, seven and five, eight and four, but you see the gap starting to close more on Clemson, on Georgia. Yeah, know. like this year, if we go f- like four and six, but like are competitive, they're all like really close games, and our six losses are all to teams that are within the top fifteen, which is our entire schedule. Like, I'm, I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm not going to be upset. I got you. And I, and I think that is a very level-headed way to look at it because that is where we are right now. We're like, we have just such a gauntlet to go against, but we haven't been competitive in most of these games, save like three games in Muschamp's tenure. So if we can start to close that gap, like you're saying, in this season, let's just be completely honest. There's not a lot on the line for like the Gamecocks this year. I think we talked about it a bit last week or it was slightly mentioned where like, there probably won't be a bowl game for us to play in regardless of how good our season is. Uh, just the way things are looking right now, you know, unless we're like really, really, really good. Like there might be like the, the new year six bowls and maybe like a couple of big ones, but I just don't see us making that regardless of how good we are. Yeah. At this point, I just, I just want us to make it to September 26th. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've got this new perspective now of just like one week at a time. Oh, it's exactly one month from today. Yeah. We're, oh, yeah, we're getting there. Cool. And so I guess, now would be a good time to move on. So last week we talked about our Gamecock schedule breakdown and made our predictions. This week we're going to split up the SEC schedule and we're going to go with the first six weeks, take the first half of the SEC schedule that was released, I guess it was about two weeks ago now, and just go week by week and talk about any really good matchups, debate anything we we, we feel about it, any upset picks, and uh, just kind of talk about any matchups that we, we think are big ones for each week. So uh, does everybody have the schedule up? Are we, are we good to go here? Yeah. And, yep. Yeah, and I, I was going to point out too, this is a little different than how we kind of first said we were going to do it last week. Uh, so it, we're going to do it this week, kind of go over the marquee games in the first half. And then when it comes to like this season, especially since everything is just so different week by week, we'll give you the, uh, the full schedule breakdown of who we think wins and loses in each of the SEC games during the season, assuming we have a season. So we're doing a little bit different than we promised, but we're still going to give you some good stuff. Yeah, and as we get closer, we'll we'll kind of have a little competition between ourselves, see who can get the most games right, and uh, maybe do something with that. Still in the works, but that's that's coming whenever we get to real football, which is only four weeks away, everybody. So first week, week one, September 26th. So the matchups we have here are Alabama-Missouri, Arkansas-Georgia, Auburn, Kentucky, 
Florida Ole Miss, then we've got LSU, Mississippi State, Texas A&M Vandy, and Tennessee at South Carolina. So what are we thinking about these matchups? For me, straight out the, out the gate, I, I feel like there's five matchups that aren't very good and that are probably pretty one-sided, probably double-digit uh, score lines. And then you've got the Auburn-Kentucky game, which should be decent, and then us against Tennessee. So we've, we've kind of talked a lot about South Carolina-Tennessee. I think it'll end up being a pretty close game. Does any other game kind of stick out to anybody? I, I, re- I think you, you hit it right on the head. Um, I think like you're looking at it, it's somehow we are the marquee game of that week. I think so. Really, the closest Definitely. thing outside of that is going to be that Auburn-Kentucky game. I don't think anything else should yeah. be competitive. Like, I know we talked about, you know, catching LSU kind of in a bit of a transition period, kind of figuring themselves out. Maybe could be the case for that LSU-Mississippi State game. But um, but Mississippi State's going to be a transition period as well because they got a brand-new head coach, um, and is still going to have a lot of talent. I think that LSU, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss, Florida could be. I mean, I still think they're heavy favorites for LSU and Florida, but I could see either of those teams pulling a sneaky week one upset. Because, you know, everybody's coming in week one. We don't know how these teams are going to look. We don't know how much they prepare. We don't know how much COVID has affected everybody. And I think that LSU might be a little bit overrated, and I think Ole Miss might be a little bit underrated. I definitely kind of agree with that LSU one. I don't think they lose, obviously. Like, I'm not certainly not picking that as an upset. But I, I'm very interested to see what LSU looks like coming off the national championship, especially against the unknown that is what Mike Leach is going to bring to Mississippi State. I still think LSU probably looks pretty solid in that game, but it could, it could end up being sloppy. Um, one thing I noticed from the money lines this week, Ole Miss was only – an eight-point underdog against Florida going into this week, which I just I don't understand because Florida's supposed to be this top ten team, and Ole Miss is certainly supposed to be one of the worst teams in the SEC, especially it's, under. That's not what I've heard. I've heard the year. Ole Miss is actually going to be the lane train, baby. It could be lane yeah. train. So yeah, I think the going back to what we kind of all agree that it very well could be our uh, Auburn Kentucky game. But I think the real reason why it could be a lot bigger than we think later on in the season, and y'all may hate me for this, but we could see this as the SEC championship game matchup. What? Could It could be. It could be. I mean, Auburn doesn't have a lot. and I mean, Alabama's not coming off a great return. LSU, we don't know what that team is going to be like. So, I mean, they easily could take the West, and then Kentucky... I'm not saying they'll take the East. They think they'll take the East. So, <laughs> I mean, but you never know. You never Kentucky know. makes the SEC championship. I'll eat my shorts. <laughs> you you had a three this week. And I'll record it. Matt, I, I, I know I've Go I know ahead, first go ahead and take the banner. Clip <laughs> it. Put it in print. Put it in print. I'll, I'll and take six to Jake. It'll notes. be on recording. I'll, Matt I'll has learned nothing man. from his last couple of weeks. I've learned nothing. I'll when it comes to Kentucky fans, I, I'm not backing down there. I'm I'll sorry. learn how to fry shorts for you. <laughs> it's right on the grill, baby. Right done. on the bobby. All right. So let's move on to <laughs> well, week two. I guess, I guess that's a good time to, to move, move over to week two. We've got Alabama, Texas A&M, Arkansas versus Mississippi State, Auburn and Georgia, Florida and South Carolina, Kentucky Ole Miss, LSU Vanderbilt, and Missouri and Tennessee. So some decent games there. 
immediately what jumps off the page is that Alabama A&M game over the years. We've seen quite a few very, I guess, competitive games between those two. Although I don't know if it necessarily, I think last year was a blowout. Probably. Maybe wrong on that one, but probably. Yeah. Alabama certainly should be a favorite. I'm sure Alabama has been crushing them. I think since Manzella's left, they haven't done anything against that's Alabama, true. from yeah. what I remember. I guess on yeah. paper it always sounds like it should be a yeah, good game, but that's true. probably just because of the Manziel years. Well, it's also because <laughs> Texas A&M is the most overhyped team in college football, I feel like. But, um, I mean, that's coming. Are you saying you'll eat shorts if uh, A&M wins the West? <laughs> I am, I he's got to eat his hat. He's got to eat his hat. Yeah, I'm not saying that. Um, while I do believe that that would be a highly un- – well, it'd be unlikely – uh, I I think that A and M has a significantly better chance of taking the West than Kentucky has taking the East. Uh, Alabama has Ooh. won seven times in a row against A and M, but that one game. With um, I'd like to apologize. Well, I know it's Alabama and they recruit well, but uh, similar to LSU, I mean Alabama lost a lot of people too. They lost their their whole entire offense. They lost a good amount on defense. I know they bring guys in every year that just yeah, plug and chug. Seen- um, and I know the game's in Tuscaloosa, but I mean. A&M is returning most of their guys. I'm pretty sure they've got the same system uh, with uh, Mon coming back. And so, I mean, at least there's experience there. And like I said early, with it still being week two, Alabama may have like a slip moment here and there. I'm not saying they're going to lose, but it could be one of those, you know, surprising games. Yeah, I agree. I think it, d- it definitely will be a close game. I think it's a perfect time for A&M to play them. Yeah. If not, if not week one, honestly, if they probably had their choice, they would have wanted them early as possible. But Definitely an early test, and we'll see if AM's real this year. I think the best game this week is going to be Auburn-Georgia, though. Yeah, I was going to say that. Not to sound like a homer, but that's generally... No, I mean, that, realistically, that's it that definitely matchup. is. That's yeah, that's always the matchup. A, a rivalry, if you want to call it that. Well, I, I, well it is. Definitely a rivalry. That's not, I, I miss yeah, wording every that. Year. It was, a, or a, uh, I guess... Bad blood, I guess is what Matt was kind of getting at. What do they call it? The Battle of Dixieland or something, I think is what it's well, called. Well, Matt was like, trying to allude, you know, the, the recent, the recent high, know, I... you know, high profile games in the, in the, in the rivalry <laughs> in the series between the two teams with Alabama and A&M. But there has really been some stuff here in the last couple of years. The Deep South's oldest, oldest rivalry, by the way. That's what yeah, it is. Yep. I couldn't think of the they name. They had uh, the, <laughs> yeah. you know, the whole miracle game, uh, the year that Auburn, went to the national championship last uh where it yeah where it was you know the whole tipperu going in Ricardo yeah Lewis, so that was yeah, an absolutely crazy, crazy game um and then you know there was uh we beat them we beat them in what 2017 or when uh they were number one in the nation and then we and then we lost to them in the sec championship yeah, so there's been a lot of a lot of uh bad blood between these two teams not only just in general always but um, in the last uh, in the last decade or so, I think that's going to continue over into the 2020s, and uh, this should be a really good game, really good matchup. It'll be between the hedges, so that'll be fun. I'm interested to see the quarterback matchup there too, because you got Nick's coming back for his sophomore year, and I don't think they've announced anybody for Georgia yet, have they? Mm. They're still open competition right now. No, yeah, I, I think, think you're right. They're yeah, they're still, still open competition. Still figuring that out. I think the one last matchup, obviously, we, we talked a lot about South Carolina, Florida, so we won't go too much into detail in that one. But one matchup I'm really interested in, and maybe it's just because we have kind of flirted with not having football, and so I'm like excited for even like the games that don't really matter that much. I'm excited for Arkansas and Mississippi State just because both of those teams, new head yeah. coaches in the West, like Arkansas hasn't 
hardly won an SEC game in like two years, I don't think. So that could be an interesting one. I, I, I kind of just have this weird feeling that Arkansas might actually win a few, a few games this year, regardless of previous records. I think maybe Pittman could come in and, and do a good job with them and they at least have an experienced quarterback. So we'll see. I'm excited for all the week two games, except for, except for LSU Vanderbilt. I think all of them could be very close. Yeah. To I was going to point out that I think, uh, I think that, uh, Ole Miss and Kentucky could be very fun as well. All right. I guess we'll move on to week three. We've got Alabama, Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Auburn, Florida versus A&M, Georgia versus Tennessee, Kentucky versus Mississippi State, and South Carolina versus Van. And LSU versus Missouri. And LSU versus Missouri. Thank you. <laughs> wow. LSU, they have – LSU has Mississippi State, Vandy, and Missouri to start their season. Oh. It's like they planned yeah. it. It's almost <laughs> like. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, so – um, Honestly, Tennessee, Georgia just sticks out to me because that's too typical SEC East. I mean, it's a big SEC East rivalry. I know Tennessee, they're supposed to be up on the up and coming too. So if they kind of want to go out and say, hey, we're back, quote unquote, yeah. this is kind of the Especially game to do it. That would be I don't think it's going to happen. Them, but they've had some good games in that rivalry there the last couple of years as well, even with Tennessee being a little down. It, was it uh, a couple of years ago, what Georgia like beat Tennessee like on a Hail Mary the last second or vice versa? I can't remember, but. It was like the back-to-back yeah, Hail Marys, so, yeah. That wasn't too. That was still under the Butch yeah, Jones era, though. Um, so they've moved on a little so, bit. Yeah. That's uh, Josh Dobbs, the Jawan Jennings. No, right? Right. that was uh, he was. Oh, yeah. oh gosh, he was a kid. It was the day right before From. I think that was right. Yeah, it was. It was to Jawan Jennings. No, would, I'm pretty sure yeah. the one who did. You're talking about the Georgia quarterback. He's talking about Dobbs. Oh, talking about, you're right. about yeah, it was Easton. Yeah, it was Easton. Was the Georgia quarterback? Who won that game? Ridley. Tennessee, uh, Tennessee, okay. Tennessee. Jawan Jennings, Jawan Jennings, <laughs> and then Butch Jones cries on the field. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other game that I'm really interested. I in, always remember that call for some reason. The other game I'm really interested this week is Florida A&M to yep, see uh, which team that. is more overrated. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I was gonna say because these are two teams that are always kind of the underdog that like never they always reach for the stars, but they never get there. They're never close enough. So it's like I don't know. Well, I mean. That's I mean, Florida, 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 Florida won, left yeah, Florida won been, two so. national championships in the last 15 years, but they're... I'm talking about as yeah, of, like, recent, you, recent years. What, past how 15? many years? I don't think you realize I mean, how long... It's been a long time yeah, since they've been, been good. Yeah, that's been the last 15 years. <laughs> in terms of, it's the SEC East. They always have a chance to win because it's... I mean, SEC East is pretty weak most of the time. Kyle Field's a hard place to play. I'll give a <laughs> that. Kyle Field's a really hard place to play. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's... It's, no, it's, it's not. Florida. It's at, it's at Kyle it? Field. It's not. I mean, it's also going to be harder. Field. It's going to be a lot easier to play at Kyle Field when there's 25,000 people in there, but that's something else. Um, but I, I'm excited for this game because yeah. I I don't really know the last time we've seen Florida versus A&M. So it's funny you mentioned that because I was literally looking it up just because it's it's one of those matchups we don't see very often. There's only four games played between the teams all time. Apparently, 2017 was the last time it was played. And outside of that, 2017 and 2012 were the two games they played since AM's joined the SEC. So definitely something we don't get to see very often. I think one, one game we'll get to later, AM and Tennessee have also not played very much. So um, that, that's an exciting one for me. I'm trying to see the rest of the games. I mean, LSU is going to beat Missouri. Kentucky, I feel like, has a, a solid upper hand on Mississippi State. Auburn and Arkansas is kind of a snoozer. South Carolina, Vandy, hopefully should be. 
a snoozer. <laughs> so not not a too not too exciting week. Any but any other games stick out? Any upset picks for anybody? No, there? I think uh, I think we've kind of gone through everything on this one. Like I said, it's yeah. So if, if weeks if week three is our our snoozer week, week four is the big one. Yep. Alabama and Georgia. <laughs> Pippity Property, give me the zap. <laughs> Alabama and Georgia is a potential preview for the SEC championship. Both of those teams favored in the individual uh, sides of the conferences. Arkansas, Ole Miss, battle of new coaches. We've got Auburn and South Carolina. This one we've talked about is something we're definitely excited about. Florida and LSU is another big one. I mean, Kentucky, yep. Tennessee. Is there is there a bad game? I mean, I guess anything Vandy is in, but Missouri. Vandy, Vandy, Missouri. But I mean, but this is the most, is like this not is like the most competitive matchup for Vandy this year. So it's like everybody yeah, has honestly. a winnable game. This week, every single game is like a, I think a tightly contested so, like dear good God, game. something. I'm just means more, baby. Just means more. October seventeenth. Just if, if you cancel after week five, that's fine. Just let us get October seventeenth. Yeah, I'll be good as long as my team is win. I'll be fine. So yeah, um, where do we even start with this? I mean, I feel like I, I you have to go over. Yeah, I mean that's going to be yeah. the marquee matchup. Um, unless some craziness happens in the first couple of weeks. I hope they both lose. Yeah, I, I understand. Yeah, that game could have huge implications too, because like you said, they're both projected to make the SEC championship. Um, and you know, well, I don't know how the playoffs are going to be really this year with all the craziness going on. But you know, one loss with either of them, granted, they'll both be top four teams. But one loss there really hurts either one. Um, so that's actually has huge implications for just the whole season, I think. Yeah, and it'll be interesting. Both of those teams, whether Mac Jones is still the quarterback, the starter for Alabama, or whether it's the highly touted freshman, or whether Georgia. I mean, I guess we've we talked a little bit about Georgia's quarterbacks. So it'll be interesting between Jamie Newman and JT Daniels, who will be the starter for Georgia. And so both of those teams have some storylines going into that game. Definitely something that I'm looking forward to as uh, I imagine will be the the matchup of the week. But obviously we've got some other good ones. I don't know. What, what's everyone looking for here? I'm just, I'm just looking forward to this week. This is just going to be a fun week top to bottom. I mean, Florida and LSU is another, another really good one. I mean, I yeah. wouldn't count either of those two teams out. In uh, if, if Alabama and Georgia are the favorites, LSU and Florida are probably <laughs> – from what I hear over mode. over around here is that LSU really hates Florida. That's probably like their second most hated team other than Bama. So are they cross division rivals? Yeah, they're they're cross division rivals. Yeah. So uh, and they really don't like each other. My only time ever being in Louisiana in New Orleans, anything was the Florida LSU weekend last year, which was also the Carolina Georgia weekend. Uh, in case we forget, but um. Yeah, Bourbon Street that Friday night, there was a lot of tension between the Florida guys and the LSU guys. That was game of the week. It was game day last year. That was that was a heated rivalry for a uh, East versus West grouping there. So that should be a lot of fun going back at it, headed back down to the swamp and uh, with the defending national champions coming in. And it wasn't a terrible game last year. Florida played them really well in Death Valley. So, uh, I mean, it's... It's going to be a good game. It's going to be that Kentucky fight. and Tennessee matchup also kind of jumps out to me because that's kind of a little bit of a rivalry as well. I feel like last year it was a really intense battle between those two teams. So I think yes. both of those teams are kind of in the second tier from Florida and Georgia in the East. So which one of them kind of backs up the talk in the, the off season? Both teams have a lot of hype going into this year. So 
it'll be interesting to see what they do in that game um, and what their records are four games into the season. Everything is pretty pretty competitive. It'll be exciting to get to week four. We're going to move on to week five. Yeah, week five, we've got Alabama against Tennessee. We've got Arkansas against the mighty bye week. That's an L. Uh, let's see. We've got Mississippi State, A&M, and Vandy all on bye weeks as well. And then Auburn plays Ole Miss. Florida plays against Missouri. Georgia against Kentucky. And LSU against South Carolina. So I think that Alabama-Tennessee game, I mean, I, f- I feel like Alabama would be that heavy favorite. But again, I mean, it really depends on how Tennessee's looking. And that is a rivalry game as well, or you know, an East-West rivalry there. So yeah. there's always that. You know, they're familiar with each other. But I just don't see any games that really pop out to me as like being really good. I know in y'all's predictions, you know, y'all had a really good feeling by the LSU Carolina game. I don't as much, especially with the events that have transpired since our predictions last last week. Um, I think this will be a what me getting COVID? I think we'll still win. <laughs> yeah, that that's was the only thing meant. that happened that, that affects what, the game. That that's what I meant. So, uh, I, I mean, I feel like I mean it's college football. I feel like there's going to be there's going to be a game that someone's going to sneak up this week and and make it a game. I just can't see it being a five game snooze fest across the whole conference. Uh, it certainly on paper would seem like that. I, I think. Each of these teams, you can dig deep and make an argument for you know sneaking up on somebody else, uh, but I just on paper I can't, you know I can't see anything being overly exciting. Yeah, so I actually kind of agree with that as well because during the first three weeks, I think you'll probably see the more talented team kind of win out, but then with that week four slaughter fest that is those seven games, I feel like teams are going to go into week five and we might we might catch a few upsets this week. So. I don't know which one uh, yeah. it's going to be. I don't have one that sticks out. But it's starting to get to the meat of the season. You know, some injuries will be happening and things like that. So you, you know, it's going to be exciting. I, I don't know, man. I could see, I could see Missouri upsetting Florida just because they get off of Texas A and M and LSU back to back before that. That's, could be that's pretty a beat up excellent Florida. point. As a matter of and fact, I don't, again, we don't know how Missouri is this um, year. You mean? I'm sorry. You mean? South Carolina, A&M, and LSU. That is a Right, of threat. course. Yeah, the gauntlet. They could as be, gauntlet. Could be, Florida could be one in, one in three by the time they get Missouri. Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't think that's going to happen, but I think they'll be pretty <laughs> beat up. I mean, they got some serious contender games there. So, again, we don't know how Missouri is this year, really. Um, I could say they're trending upwards. Missouri's coming off a game against Vandy. And, yeah, you know, exactly. A game against LSU, that's a good tune-up so. game. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, not that we think that the talent is there on Missouri necessarily to make it happen, but just how these things go, you know, Marino schedule watching like a hawk every year. So, I mean, he brings <laughs> up that eyes point. on the prize. I mean, and that was that was kind of the game that I thought, too, without looking at the schedules. Like, I had a feeling like, you know, Missouri could be the kind of team that just kind of sneaks in there and, and you know, gives a competitive showing. Uh, but yeah. especially when you add that on top of it, I, I definitely agree with that. That could be uh, – it could be something to keep an eye on. And then I guess we'll wrap this up with our week six talk here. We'll, we'll hit up the second half of the SEC schedule next week as we get closer toward the season. But the matchups for week six, we've got Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, and Tennessee all on buys. And Alabama plays Mississippi State, Arkansas against Texas A&M, Auburn and LSU, Kentucky against Missouri, 
and is that no, an Ole Miss against Vandy? So I think pretty obviously there Auburn and LSU is definitely that matchup of that week. Yeah, that we'll probably yeah focus on because whoever wins that game is probably either first or second slated for the SEC West. And that's huge for the West, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's both big of those one. teams will have yet to play Alabama at that point, right? Or A and M? Does A and M play either? Um, no, no. So they, yeah. that's that's going to be huge for the SEC West right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah that's good. that is going to be a big foot forward to get into Atlanta. Um, I also think that um, that that Missouri Kentucky game could be a fun one to keep an eye on, and uh, and I could see uh, Vandy having a shot at getting. Uh, a win here with uh with Ole Miss coming to town for them. So yeah, I'm um, gonna I might change my mind when the season gets here, but right now that's that's the upset pick I have in my mind for the season is I think Vandy's gonna take it to uh, Lane Kiffin and and beat Ole Miss that week. Hell it's gonna yeah, be, it's, you know, it's that's the first upset that I, I feel some confidence in. But we may we may have to update once we're in week six because it, it may be very different. But we'll see. True. What do y'all think the line is for that bye week? Are you betting the over? Uh, South Carolina by ninety against bye week. Fox <laughs> by ninety. Love it. We're already getting our asses kicked by the off season right now with the way the last week is gone. I don't know <laughs> how we're doing bye week. True. No lies said. Definitely a Western week though. Just real quick, because you notice. I mean, look at all the teams that have that bye yeah, week. The covered. It's bye week. Oh, I mean, yeah. anyone, any team that's relevant is is off that's that week. True. So it's. All about the West there. Huh. <laughs> That's weird. And even even that, it's it's Alabama and Mississippi State and A and M plays Arkansas. Well, so is next week for the SEC West too. And then and then eleven seven that next week is yeah. the game in Jacksonville with Georgia Florida and they both have that week off. So you know that's going to be a very 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 big. Very big. Surprised that they put Georgia Florida both going into. I mean, I know we're we're getting ahead of ourselves here. That's going to be from next week. But I do one thing I was kind of thinking about just sitting here. Was I would think they would put their bye weeks after this game to kind of give them that two weeks, you know, because but then these guys are going out of the bubble and then into Jacksonville, which there's a lot of games that are played on neutral sites every single year. Um, I believe Arkansas and AM the last couple of years have been played at Jerry World uh, because of it being in Texas and being from Texas and Arkansas having the connections to Jerry Jones. Um, I know that game is at least played on a neutral site. Fuller George game is famously in Jacksonville. It's surprising that they kept it there. I guess it didn't make sense to like throw it back on someone's campus just because of how heated that rivalry is and just give it to one team and not the other um, as a home game. I kind of think it would make more sense to do that going away from a bye week or you know, well, you know, going into a bye week afterwards. That way you get quarantined again. Um, after going out of the college bubble, and then you're ready to go once they get back into the schedule. But yeah, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. That's uh, what that game's called. So, <laughs> well, well, we'll talk about that one and uh, the multitude of games that follow from week seven toward the end of the season. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, it was a pretty good first half SEC schedule breakdown. Just looking back, I mean, I'm. I'm excited for just about every game on that schedule. I don't know about y'all, but just all of the SEC games, just talking about it is really exciting. But with that high note, we have to go to uh, back down to another negative note here and talk about the flop of the week. And uh, a certain ESPN affiliate, if you can even call them that, 
Uh, Mark Ryan and the ESPN Upstate made the flop of the week post this week on Twitter uh, after the Marshawn Lloyd. The fact that Mark Ryan made it three whole weeks before making an appearance, (laughs) that is quite an achievement. I mean, it, it. We should almost name it after him, like like. That's what I had initially. Sponsor, like Mark, Mark Ryan, the Mark Ryan award, no, the Mark Ryan award, yeah. But uh, I, I imagine most people that are are listening have probably heard this already. But just to go back over it, when the Gunnar Stockton commit, which came immediately after the Marshawn Lloyd news came out, ESPN updates Twitter account retweeted or tweeted that it's the first five-star quarterback commit in South Carolina's history. And if he told you that before the day you'd lose Marshawn Lloyd, but you'd pick up Gunner, you'd take that deal, which I feel like is arguable in its own sense. Like saying blatantly that you'd take that deal, first of all, is I think debatable. But just the ethics of even tweeting that, like thinking, oh, this is a good idea. Let me tweet this out. I mean, it's just ridiculous i mean you're talking about a kid's future his livelihood and you're talking about oh you know we picked up gunner though like game cognition is going to be happy about that like no you don't you don't tweet something like that in on any level on any level like it's not like i mean you're not going to be an nfl guy and be like hey dallas uh you you just lost ezekiel elliott to torn acl but you also brought in Patrick Mahomes, like you take that deal nine times out of ten. Like that's just as bad to like wish out on somebody else, but it's just so much worse when you're talking about sixteen and eighteen year olds. I mean, the dude needs to get a life. That hasn't even seen the field yet. So I'm agreeing exactly. with you. But just yeah, a kid that hasn't seen the field yet. He's a high prospect. You know, there are a lot of hopes for the the program with the fan base and all that. With us having not having an off season, they need all the interaction time they can get and stuff. So I mean, there's just so many things that are wrong with that statement. And nobody at all would ever hope for Marshawn to get hurt. No matter if we got Gunnar Stockton and every five star recruit that walked through the door, I still we wouldn't get all in. Jesus Christ could be the top recruit in high school football. And like, you know, I'm not gonna ask what for I'm not gonna ask for Marshawn Lloyd to tear an ACL yeah. just to land this recruit. Like, it's not a deal. Like, we're not selling our souls to the devil. Like, these are I don't like think Jesus is very good at football, though. I think the worst part was that he didn't back down from it. So when he started people started calling him out for it, he doubled down. And then the next day afterwards, then he then, then he tried to like backtrack it the next day when other people started calling him out. He's like, what? I wasn't like doing that. And then he was like, yes, you were. <laughs> so I saw the tweet. It was off the ESPN updated upstate account. And, you know, they're just impoverished as a radio station. Like they're nothing. They they really like they're a waste of breath, to be completely honest. But, you know, they don't have social media interns. They just have all their hat job radio talents if you want to call it that tweeting up a storm on that and i saw that and i was like i know i know mark ryan tweeted that like i know that came from him and then sure enough like the heat rose that tweet and everyone was going after it and he like started defending it at, like and it basically claimed that he did make that tweet and he doubled down on it. he's like no like that's a dude you make 10 times out of 10 I'm like no like we're not saying that like we aren't excited that we got gunner stockton and we're not saying like that it's not like whatever like he was trying to make it sound like like we're like we would not make a deal for a 16 year old kid to tear his ACL. I don't care 
who we got, which is what I was trying to say earlier by saying if Jesus Christ was a recruit, you know what I mean. It's just it's just so unprofessional and disgusting. I just don't understand why he has to speak for us. Like, who is he to speak for our fan base and what our fan base was due as a non-Carolina fan, as as a yeah, as a guy who just you know he's supposed to be unbiased, neutral, you know. Uh, clearly he's not, but I don't understand why he always feels the need to speak for us and what we think should happen and what is and isn't right for our program. Like, dude, I mean, no, yeah, you don't represent people, us. Clemson people don't don't like that. <laughs> like, don't like him. They don't. They're they're like, don't look at us. We don't want him either. It it's I I feel like it's there's a lot of accounts like this that it's it's the ones it's not necessarily the ones that have the bad takes because everyone will will post something every once in a while that's maybe a bad take, maybe not just how you worded how you worded things was taken wrong or maybe it, it just genuinely was wrong but it's the ones that despite all of the reaction they get to it that double down and say everyone's just taking it personally like if the soda city sits down tweets something stupid which you know one day we probably will let's be honest it's it's probably gonna happen at some point we got some dumb tweets here and there. I'm not if, if matt there got and- covid while he's immune to covid then i mean We'll and what did I do as soon as I got on this? You know, I said, I'm sorry, Game Cog Nation. <laughs> True. It's my True. fault. <laughs> you didn't double down. Did it is what it is. <laughs> it was a false positive. Put his ears to the ground. It was ears to the ground. Ears oh. to the ground. That's how he got yeah. COVID. It was too close it, to I the mean, dirt. If, you're, if your job if your job <laughs> is to talk about sports 24-7, pretty much, you're going to be wrong a lot. I mean, it happens to everybody. Yeah. But it's another thing to just say things just to get clicks and impressions and things like that. And I think that's exactly what was done here. And that's exactly what Mark Ryan does. 99.99% of the time. It, well, it's called having humility. Like if, if you do something wrong, like own up to it. Yeah. Plenty of guys who do this as a career think they're the, the best shit that's ever been put on air. And they're like, no, no, my take is st- you. You just don't know. You're you're not an insider like me. Like you're just a dude who watches sports. You don't know it. And I'm like, you really don't know that much more than anyone else does. Like, let's face it. The worst thing that he did though is he got into an exchange with like one guy um, specifically where, like, he was going back and forth, and the guy basically caught him out and was like, dude, you can't you can't say stuff like that. This is just utterly ridiculous. It's incredibly unprofessional. And so Mark Ryan, so he came out and said, number one, that this guy um, has just been absolutely trying to bash him since he said that. And I remember this because he said, you've been bashing him with um, ever since that I said that I'm not a Tiger Woods fan because I think he's a terrible person. Number one, that's the first way to get yourself on my shit list, even though he's already on it. He's just so far closer to the top. That's a shit list you do not want to be on. God, Mm -hmm. God help your soul. But but another thing that he was doing was saying that the people that were bashing him and, and criticizing him for what he said were unchristian, saying it's unchristian to criticize me like this. And I'm like, what in the Clemson fan base is this? Like to come out and play this kind of card? It was it was baffling to me that that he did He's that. Appealing to his audience. <laughs> Uh, and I and I mean and I don't even want, actually want to throw like I mean I I feel kind of bad throwing Clemson and all of that because like Matt said uh. they don't even like him for the most part but I'll still take a chance take a shot any chance I get but I mean that baffled me that like he just he basically just had this ill wish on it on an eighteen year old and is like you're unchristian for thinking this and criticizing me like get all the way out of here please leave the state 
I don't think he's ever like redacted or like, you know, apologized for a statement he's made or said he's wrong. You know, I can go back to, you know, a couple of times where he, like when we got Tavian Feaster, I know this is going way back and I'm going to be quick about it, but you know, he kept doing the same thing. He just kept standing his ground, standing his ground, wouldn't go back about it, about how it was wrong and wrong and wrong. Even when everyone said it, it's not really that big of a deal. So he just has a habit of doing this. Everyone does it. It's okay to say you're wrong. Just admit it. Don't make yourself try and be the smartest guy in the room because you're not. And no one's right about sports. That's kind of the best thing about it. A lot of it's just, it comes and goes, but it, you know, just learn to learn to apologize and be wrong one time. Yeah, well, we'll I guess move past that and toward the quick hits uh, from around the different leagues. And uh, Austin, since since you just ended us out on that last segment, you want to start up with the NFL here? Yeah, sure. So um, you know, there's been a couple of things going on in the NFL. Um, so there were actually a big story that came out with this. There were 77 cases that uh, were tested positive. No names came out. I don't know who they were. But it turns out it doesn't matter because they were all false positives. So whatever group or company or mechanism they were using, uh, all cases were false positives. And it turns out that none of those uh, guys actually had COVID. So that was a pretty big deal. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This was this week. I think it was either Monday or yesterday, uh, the NFL, because they're testing every day. Like I said, they've been testing every day. And it came back that there were 77 cases of COVID-19 wow, in the NFL. Yeah. But it turns out they actually were not. They were, they were false positive because the next day, those 77 individuals were all negative the next day. So I don't know if it was a bad test. I don't, I don't know. I can't speak for that. I thought that was a pretty big, uh, pretty big deal. So, yeah. Matt, what are your plans I, tomorrow? I'm, uh, I'm false positive. <laughs> yeah. My loss of my sense of smell is is merely a facade. It's a placebo effect. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. right. It's all in your head, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, big news: uh, Earl Thomas cut by the Ravens after just one year. Ha! He was a big part of that defense this year. Uh, they paid him a good amount of money, actually. Uh, it was, I think, it was a three or four year deal. Um, and he went ahead and cut him. And you know, a lot of people were confused by that, but apparently, there's a lot of backstory. Uh, Tyler, you can take this one. I know that's your team. If you want to kind of. Talk yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in on this. Uh, you know, there's a lot of teams that, you know, you're going to sit there and you're going to wonder what your GMs are doing, what your ownership groups are doing. But uh, but that is not the case for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, it, they proved time and time again that they might be one of the most competent front offices in all of sports. Uh, I mean, just phenomenal draft picks. They do really well at getting the job done. I mean, they have two Super Bowl championships and a very – very short history uh, for the Paris. I mean, they might be one of the top, like, three youngest teams in the NFL. Two Super Bowl championships, 2-0 and in the big game. More Super Bowl championships than the likes of, say, the New York Jets or, in, or you know, similar programs. What so uh, Why is it always me? Because, I mean, Go at, for least the the, Dolphins. at least the Dolphins have won one, dude. I we mean, have two. On. I thought you have. I thought you won an NFL championship. 69? Ah, uh, yeah, my bad. Out of here. My bad. My bad. Can I, wait, can I ask a question though? Yeah. Did uh, did Earl Thomas's brother tweet anything about it or say anything about it? You know his brother, Michael Thomas. Oh, brother, uh, this guy stinks. Aren't they brothers, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Continue. No comments. And, <laughs> and their dad, Dave Thomas, the founder yeah. of Wendy. <laughs> Um, and their cousin Isaiah Thomas, the chief of Michael <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, uh, so Earl Thomas. <laughs> but yeah, getting back on it, 
I, I, I'm going to trust the uh, the Ravens front office here. Uh, I mean, it, it really is not going to matter like how good he is. This, I mean, he's he's only been with the team for a year, and and it was a pretty like seamless year. I mean, like last year we were fourteen and two. Granted, we did have an early exit, but you know that's. I mean, we it was smooth sailing, but for two weeks of the entire season. So I mean, there's not a lot of reason to get like angry with your teammates. Like everyone's doing well, everyone should get along. But in that year, he's had two incidents where he's had like physical altercations with the teammate. And I mean, everything that I've seen for the most part is that the Ravens have a really great locker room and everything like that. I don't think that John, uh, uh, you know, John Harbaugh stands for anything like that kind of crap. So, I mean, if you're going to be that kind of player, I don't care how good you are. If you're going to have two infractions like that, then um, then I, I, I really am not salty about letting him go. Um, I mean, I think that I think that the Ravens have a pretty sound defense and, and an ability to really just kind of be like that next man up kind of mentality right now. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with how everything is going. Um, it, it sucks that it has to happen. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lose sleep over this one quite yet. I uh, I have plenty of reason to trust in the in the ownership groups and the management. So we'll we'll see this one out. And but I think it I don't think it's gonna come back and, and bite us or anything negative. Yeah, Harbaugh is a very team coach. So if you're not all about the team, you can you know conglomerate well and you know do things that risking yourself. That he's he's not about that. So Earl Thomas showing up late consistently. There are reports of him being like hung over oh, at practice. Too, and, yeah consistently you know just being late and tardy and not taking the team meeting seriously Harbaugh won't stand for that if there's one thing he's shown it's that he's all about the team give up everything for yourself it's all about you know the name on the front not the name on the back kind of thing yeah I think it was a good move and you know he's about to get signed by the Patriots too you know it they love (laughs) doing that shit 6 a.m wake-up call from Bill Belichick himself (laughs) (laughs) but I and I think it's a shame because Earl Thomas is still probably one of the best in the league well, I've heard, I've heard Dallas is going to pick him up. I've heard, which is no surprise at Yeah, all. I've heard that too. He like yeah. openly said he wanted to go there. Just real quick, uh, those that follow us and follow our Twitter know that we've been doing our defensive poll. Um, Aaron Donald right now is our defensive lineman of the decade or of the 2000s. And Julius Peppers is our defensive end. I could go into about how I feel about that, but I won't. But I think that's a pretty stacked D-line Julius right there. Julius Peppers is a goat. Um, so I, I, I won't complain too much. I feel bad for whatever quarterbacks on the opposite end of that. That's all I got to say. And right now we're doing our linebacker poll. So if you haven't voted yet, go out and vote. It's the final four right now. Go um, out and vote. Let's go Luke yes. Keekly. Hell, so we're doing our linebackers. And that's pretty much it for the NFL. Uh, now we're going to move right on to the MLB. Let's just go real quickly through our, our COVID updates since we got our COVID patient ourselves here. <laughs> Would you believe that the Mets have COVID? Or at least they Sorry, did. Matt. Uh, they, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to blame you for that, actually. That's fine. So I think they went to Florida uh, and they were going to play. Either they played one game or they, um, or they hadn't played yet. And a player and someone from the front office uh, got confirmed with COVID. So they had to stop that series, had to stop the Subway series that was going to happen next. And then I think they were playing the Marlins again, or they just continued with the Marlins schedule. I don't know. And got swept. So typical Mets fashion, just completely destroying their season. Uh, So that's pretty much all I'll say on that. Um, Next big thing, uh, something we talked about last week with with the Fernando Tatis Jr. situation with the Padres and the Rangers talking about. Did you you hear that? The Padres just hit another grand slam. Right. Oh, <laughs> so 
These Padres uh, hit a Grand Slam, of course, that game. And then we mentioned they hit a Grand Slam the next game in the first inning. They hit another Grand Slam the game after that against the Rangers. And then they hit another Grand Slam against the Rangers. And then they went on to sweep the Astros. And I think they just lost the Mariners. Uh, their Twitter account, their Twitter handle is now the Slam Diego Padres and are memeing like the Rangers, the Astros. I, my brain can't comprehend the fact that the, like the Padres might be the hottest team in the MLB right now. Like just the term. It's funny because they've been a meme Diego? for so long. They've I been know. a meme for so long. And it's they've been like, waiting on this moment for like 20 calling years. Himself Slam Diego might be the best thing I've ever heard in my entire life. That's phenomenal. It works so well. I mean, they've it's been waiting. You know they've been waiting. It's so good. And they got, you know, they got the new like kind of throwback jerseys. They they went back. Yeah, they to, went like, back the, to brown, the brown and and brown and yellow, which yeah. does not sound like it's a good color combination. Oh, I love it, but it's just it's so old school it's baseball. Classic. It's so good. It's um, so good. So I guess we'll we'll talk about it with with uh, NBA as well. But I think now we're on to three, maybe four teams that are. Um, canceling their games due to protesting the Jacob Blake and what happened with that situation. We won't get too much into it, but that's just, I guess, the update for for baseball there. Um, and then the final story. Did anyone watch the Rockies-Diamondbacks game from last night? Anyone? No, not. I'll tell you what, I didn't either, because this is not a series that I would have been interested to watch. But I'll tell you what happened. Something crazy happened. A rivalry, though. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry, it is ahead. a pretty big rivalry game. But the bottom of the fifth, Ryan Castellini throws a pitch to Cole Calhoun. He's a Diamondback, um, and Ryan Castellini's for the, the the Rockies. Hits towards first base where ex-Met, you may know him, Daniel Murphy, uh, bobbles the ball a bit before throwing it to second base uh, to catch the Diamondback player who was on first, running to second, um, which is typical Daniel Murphy fashion to, to make an error there. Um, so it goes to the second baseman. He tries to throw back to get uh, Cole Calhoun out. It, it's too late on the plagues because the error from Daniel Murphy. Uh, so Calhoun's on first, right? So everything's lining up here. They get another guy in. It's Kettle Marte's up to bat. Hits a fly ball out to left for the second out. The ball gets thrown back to Daniel Murphy at first to try to beat Calhoun back to the bag because he was trying to you know, sneak towards second. Calhoun gets back really easily. No problem there. But the ball gets thrown into the dirt. Daniel Murphy absolutely flubs the catch into the dirt, bounces over his head towards the dugout. And then you, th you think, okay, Calhoun's going to second. No big deal. But then all of a sudden you realize Tony Walters, their catcher, ran all the way up the first baseline and is sitting right behind first base and is able to grab the ball. I guess because, you know, it's very well known that Daniel Murphy can't catch a ball for his damn life. So he's got this ball and he's ready to throw out Cole Calhoun. He's about to get him in a pickle play. He starts running up to throw it to second. He drops the ball, so he's got to go pick up the ball again, throws it to second, but he throws like a really soft lob to second. And Cole Calhoun, I guess, must see this, so he starts to stutter step and then lets the ball hit him in the head. It doinks off of his helmet, headbutts it, and lands on the ground. He's able to go to second. So I, that's the first time I've ever seen a catcher just straight up throw the ball straight at a dude's head. And he gets on second, but then the umpires are like, Absolutely not. That's an illegal play. He's out. And so yeah, he just I, I walks up. See, I did see the debate about that and whether or not it should have been out, which. I, I Yeah, you know. I think it's it's kind of a dumb thing. To, I mean, like he definitely did on purpose. Like he didn't like headbutt it, but he definitely leaned into it slightly. 
Uh, you know he was saying that he just like, oh, I just got hit in the head, though. <laughs> he pulled a Chase Utley and was just, I was just trying to go to second base. Uh, <laughs> so he he walked off fine, but then his his manager walks on the field and starts starts ranting and raving about it, how, you know, you effed up that play, you know it. And he kept saying that over and over to this ump while his mask kept falling off. He kept trying to readjust it, and the umpire ejected him. And it was just like in, in a minute 30, that was probably the most exciting baseball I had seen this entire season. It all was like, holy shit. I was I was pretty excited for that. And then the rest of the game was pretty much a snooze fest. But um, I guess that would probably be your MLB update. There's nothing else I can really think about. So to go into the NBA, uh, you did talk about a few of the games that got canceled in the MLB. Well, it kind of all started with the Bucks today coming out and saying that they weren't they were going to protest their game. They're up 3-1 on the Magic right now. And they said that they were going to protest and that the Magic, I, I think it's been confirmed that the Magic have pretty much agreed with them. And the rest of the uh, NBA games for the day ended up following suit um, in protest of the shooting of Jacob Blake. Um, right now we're recording on Wednesday night. All of this information about the sports canceling and uh, – all of that has kind of come out today. So we don't really know. There's not a whole lot of statements from the individual teams. We're still kind of waiting to see what all is going to come out of this, whether or not it's just going to be like a one to two day thing. I think the NBA board of officials is meeting tomorrow to discuss any implications about anything. So we'll know more about that later. But for now, we just know that season's potentially in jeopardy or at least postponed for now. Um, as for the action leading up to this in the NBA, we have mostly snoozers in the East. Like we said, it was three, one with the one seed bucks over the eight seed magic right now, the Celtics swept the heat swept and the Raptors swept. So mostly snoozers there in the East, uh, with the higher seeds winning out, but in the West, it's been a, a lot more tightly contested as we see the nuggets are down 3 to 2 to the Jazz. The Blazers now after their 1-0 start and uh when I said that they looked really good last week and the Lakers looked bad, well the Lakers have looked very good in the last 3 games, so uh, there's my third uh contradiction this week so far. I hope it's over soon. <laughs> the Blazers look terrible and Lillard's hurt now, so that that series is is all but over. But the best series so far has been Luka Doncic and the Mavericks against the Clippers. That now with the Clippers up 3-2 has been a back and forth. Luka Doncic, despite whether or not they end up winning the series, has shown that he is truly an elite talent and an up-and-comer in the league and is going to be around for a long time. Uh, he's been battling injuries. Uh, KP has also been battling injuries, and the Mavericks have still stayed relevant in that series against the Clippers, who most would, uh, would say are definitely up there in uh, – one of the favorites probably to win the championship. So that's, that's probably been the most entertaining series so far. The Mavs but, are going to be good in the future, man. Mavs are Mavs have a really bright future. Um, I'm excited. It's for weird them. to think about. Yeah, it, it is. It is weird to think about another really tight series is the thunder and rockets are uh, tied at two to a piece. Chris Paul's played really well and been instrumental in the thunder coming back after that 2-0 deficit and tying it up 2-2. So that, that could be one that comes down to a game seven, I could see. That and the Rockets can't hit threes the past two games either. So they're kind of yeah. dying by their, uh, their game plan there. Yeah, the only other notes 
uh, just because of their bad exits. One we saw coming was Brett Brown getting fired by the 76ers. They've looked very poor in Orlando. And I think the direction of the program under Brett Brown was already in limbo going into this year. And uh, having that bad exit this year just just really hurts the future with him. So they'll move on. Weird side note, I, I think there was almost a little bit of traction about Don Staley potentially taking that position, but I think that's all been put to rest at this point. That was an interesting idea. I I don't I that's unheard of Wait, really in what? the NBA. Yeah, a bunch of people really I mean 76ers fans themselves really wanted Don Staley to be their head coach. Right. That makes sense. That that would have been cool, but obviously we we want Staley to stay here and, and that's been yeah, put through that. so it's not not happening, but yeah, just after not getting a, a championship with the the girls team, she she's not about to. Leave. But just tonight, I mean, the fact that people are even mentioning Don Staley as as like someone they really wanted as the coach, it's like just even higher praise from her that we've already seen so much high praise of her and all deserved. Um, the only other note: Pacers coach fired uh, Nate McMillan is as of I think yesterday is gone from the Pacers after they also got swept. That's the NBA update. Uh, we've got some NHL talk. Yeah, so we're at week three of our NHL segment. We're on to round two of the playoffs, and this is where things always get interesting. Just to kind of keep you up to date, the Canadians, Blue Jackets, Capitals, Hurricanes, Blackhawks, Coyotes, Flames, Blues are all out. The Blues I saw coming. I knew they were going to get the upset. Flames choked big time. Uh, Calgary had three goals in the first 10 minutes against the Stars, uh, but then led in seven unanswered goals. They had uh, Stars had a hat trick on that. So I guess that's what happens when you lose your veteran coach, Bill Peters, early in the season for racist remarks. You get screwed in the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> but now uh, I just sort of go over some key players to watch out for real quick coming up in the in the. The next round, uh, Avalanches, Nazim Kadri, their center, uh, in seven games has four goals, five assists, zero penalties, which usually isn't that big of a deal. Uh, but it was a big issue for him last uh, playoffs with the, with the Maple Leafs, so he's kept everything tight and played big. Philadelphia Flyers, I mentioned Carter Hart before. Their goalie had those back-to-back shutouts. Again, he's 22 years old and a rookie. He looks like he's going to be top-notch stuff going into the, this league for the at least the next decade or so, hopefully. Um, the Isles, I, I kind of hinted at this guy. didn't remember his name. Anthony Bolivier uh, is the left wing, had eight games, had four goals and three assists. He's tied for the team leading goals and points. Uh, it's a big jump from two points last year in their last playoff run. So I think he's maybe in his third season. So again, these are the type of guys that are making the Isles look really, really solid. And then Vancouver Canucks have Bo Horvats, their center and captain. He's not a huge goal scorer. I don't think he's passed 30 goals in a season ever. But right now at eight games, he's got six goals and two assists. The overtime winner he had against the Blues, I think the second to last game. Uh, Huge captain presence for a young team. Um, And there's other veteran guys that usually play bigger. uh, But he's kind of playing at their level or even more than their level. Um, So it's always good to see kind of the captain of the team really step up in the playoffs and that's usually what pushes guys forward. So now going into the actual matchups themselves, we got the Bruins versus the Lightning, which is tied one to one, even though right now they're playing. And I think they're the Lightning are up six to one. So I, I imagine it's going to be two to one tonight. Uh, it's a repeat matchup from last year. Uh, the Bruins have Tuka Rask out, their their big time goalie, but uh, Halleck, their their backup, could easily start in any other uh, team. He's he's pretty solid stuff. 
Lightning last game won 4-3 in overtime on a goal from Andre Palat. They are now 4-0 in overtime games, and this goes back to the Columbus Blue Jackets' five-time overtime game. They also shot them out 40-25 to in shots. That'll win games, but again, the Bruins almost won that game as well with just 25 shots. So, I mean, Bruins are, you know... They, they're not shooting as much, but they're they're much more precise. And when they do shoot lightning, it'll be interesting to see how they play later in this in this playoff run. If they move through just because that fatigue from the first round may end up catching up to them later. So I'll be looking to see that if that ends up affecting them. Now we got the Flyers versus the Islanders. This is also tied one to one or I think it's now two to one. Flyers are up because they played earlier today in a four to three overtime win. Uh, I'm really excited about this series. Tyler mentioned it before with Barry Trotz being the Islanders coach. It's crazy how important that acquisition was to this Islanders team. I think he's the only coach that could have propelled them to this point. Uh, before the playoffs started, the Islanders made a lot of moves in the trade deadline. It was looking like they were tanking. It was looking like they weren't going to make playoffs at all. But then, you know, of course, COVID happened. More teams got in. And they looked like when they came in, they had no dust to brush off at all, whereas other bigger teams, better teams were looking a lot worse for wear. It'll be interesting to see how, how this plays out. In, in tonight's game, ex-Ranger Kevin Hayes had uh, two goals in the first period for the Flyers. Flyers are now 8-0 and in playoff games, this, this playoff run, uh, when Damn. they score the first goal. So if they can score the first goal, Matt, you better start putting money towards the Flyers because they're, they're looking like they can win any game they, they get ahead first. Um, I ran out of money. That's right. <laughs> that's another thing that happens. It's been a rough week. Wait, did you run completely out? Uh, not completely, but you know. I mean, not yeah. As, as far as betting money goes, I assume. Almost there. Um, in the West, we got the Avalanche versus the Stars. Uh, Dallas is two and zero oh in this playoff series with uh, a win five to two against the Avalanche recently. Uh, not only am I surprised the Stars are able to finish out the Flames in the way they did, I'm even more surprised they're up 2-0 on Colorado, even at the second round. I wasn't really expecting this from the Stars at all. Not having Ben Bush in the goal doesn't seem to have affected them at all. They seem to be playing just as good. Uh, he has an undisclosed injury, so I'm hoping it's not some like sickness COVID-related thing, uh, but I don't think it is. Again, one of the guys I mentioned before, Kadri uh, for the Avalanche and McKinnon have both been really hot for them recently, but uh, they, you know, the... The Stars had some cheeky little deflections and a, a lucky break from the, the refs on, on two goals to, to win that 5-2 and two game. Stars scored two of those goals in, in, the, in 43 seconds. So that's for hockey, it's not too out of the realm of possibility, but it's, it's pretty rare when, when two goals go in within a minute. Avalanche still look like a powerhouse, but it's kind of hard to see them winning the series now that they're down 2-0. But you know anything, anything can really happen with hockey. And then finally, we got the Vegas Golden Knights versus the Canucks. This is also tied one to one with Vancouver beating them five to two recently. One of the guys I mentioned before, Bo Horvat, uh, JT Miller, a lot of their young talent on this team for the Canucks. Jake Markstrom's looking pretty solid in net as their goalie. So I mean, it, it'll be tough to see how they how they last for for this series. Uh, I mean, they looked really hot in this last game, but Golden Knights also beat them five to zero uh, in, in game one. Had a decent shutout with that goalie Rob Lehner, who I mentioned before. And again, they look much better on paper. So that's going to be an interesting one to watch. I think the two Western Conference games are going to be the key matchups for the rest of the playoffs. And that, I think, covers the NHL for this week. College football. We're about to have the first college football game this weekend. We're going to have Austin P versus Central Arkansas. They did not delay 
this game. I don't know if they delayed the rest of their schedule or if it's just one game. But it's back. Let's go. It's about to be officially back. Unfortunately, the rest of the the I guess the power three uh they've got another month before they officially kick off. But if you want to watch any kind of football, you're if you're that desperate, which we kind of all yeah, are at this point. I'm, I'm watching this game. Absolutely. It's it's gonna be on. And, We're not uh, betting on the game, just watching. Uh, yeah, that's TB to to be determined. <laughs> yeah. I not have the funds for that. Other than that, there's not not much going on in college football. We're just all waiting to uh, to see if we're actually going to have our schedule or our season or not. Yeah, we it's a, it's the most hyped Central Arkansas and Austin PA game of all time. So, would you say that. Austin what? Isn't it PA? I thought it was Austin PA. I've always heard Austin P. I've always heard Austin P. A. But I, guess I did I, not. I thought it was Austin P. <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> Thanks, Austin. All right, I'll say this: Austin, Austin P, Austin P A, Austin P. Ew. (laughs) So, Marina, just I just said both the versions. Just, just edit that in afterwards, whichever one's correct. Sure, yeah. Uh, yeah. This podcast, hell, Mr. Editor. (laughs) My my editing goes like first fifteen minutes, I'm on point, and then the last fifteen minutes, I'm just like, get this thing over with. I'm not editing. Well, uh, well, then I'll, uh, I'll I'll run through this uh, relatively quickly for for golf. Uh, um, so everything is in playoffs. So is golf. Golf is also in a playoff. Uh, but the golf playoffs are admittedly an absolute joke, in my opinion. Uh, I won't get into the everything on that, but they're a joke. But we still have to get through them. Uh, the first round of the playoffs was last week. They were playing up in Boston. Uh, for the Northern Trust, which was the first leg there. Columbia's own Dustin Johnson had himself a week. He won the event at 30 under par, which is the second best score in a 72-hole event all time, uh, falling just short of a record held by Ernie Els, which is 31 under par. It's only the second time someone has shot 30 under par or better. I mean, absolute incredible week, and it wasn't. It wasn't like it was an absolute barn burner. I mean, there were some low scores, but no one else was even twenty under par. Dustin Johnson won by eleven strokes this weekend at thirty under par. That is, that's some Tiger Woods shit, honestly. And Tiger hasn't even short, scored thirty under par. Like that's just a league of its own. Like that's absolutely incredible. I um, mean, it's even cooler that it's somebody that hails right from our backyard in Columbia. I might have to get him on the podcast sometime. Uh, Right. Yeah, that's a joke. We're we're probably not going to get the uh, number one golfer in the world uh, on the podcast, at least not anytime soon. But it'd be it'd be cool though. I mean, him maybe get Paulina, get his father in law in there with Wayne Gretzky. We'll just have a whole day of it. But, I'll take Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> yeah, um, Dustin Johnson. It was really crazy to see that. It, another little tidbit with with DJ is um, so I don't know if you guys know. So shooting a fifty nine is like the golf equivalent of like rolling a 300 or pitching a perfect game like it's just like the best round you get so uh on friday of the event there was already a 59 that was shot that morning and then dustin johnson came out and on the front nine was nine under par it was the best nine hole score in pga tour history he was looking like he was going to absolutely I – mean, he might shoot like 55. Like he was just absolutely on fire. 
and then he parred like his last seven or eight holes and only shot a 60, which was pretty disappointing considering how everything started up. But um, so it could have had two 59s on the same day, which I don't know if that's ever happened. Uh, if it has, it's been like once, but it was pretty cool. And the last thing I want to bring up uh, is just uh, a little bit weird. So there is the Champions Tour, which is uh, the senior tour that's attached to the PGA Tour. Um, there's a bunch of different like requirements that have to like that allow you to get on there. Like you had to have a certain amount of wins or a certain amount of money that you've earned in your career to be able to be a qualifier. Um, but the main one is that you had to be over 50 years old, uh, which uh, everyone's friend Phil Mickelson uh, has hit that age. Um, and of course, he's had a pretty great career, so he meets all the other um, requirements. He made his very first start on the Champions Tour this week um, in a 54-hole event that ran from Monday to Wednesday. Uh, ended today uh, very first start because he has had a pretty down year he is out of the playoffs now he won't be playing anymore um so he is going to be still playing in the u.s open coming up in september but he is not playing on the pga tour up until then so he decided to come down he can he's going to do the champions league tour he absolutely dusted everybody he shot the tied for the best 54 hole score in champions tour history uh, walked away. It was only a four-stroke victory. Uh, I think he kind of let off the gas there a little bit at the end, and uh, and some guys kind of caught up to him a little bit. But four-shot victory in his first ever event on the tour. Um, I personally, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I think watch him bully up on some of these guys uh, over the next couple of years if he uh, if he stays at it consistently. But uh, some little tidbits there. I get my golf talk out, and we will uh, get the last couple of hits that we've got. So uh, we'll close out the show. So a couple things uh, that I wanted to talk about. Uh, first off, I uh, just want to let everyone know we've only got two more episodes with Austin on the show for Trip. right now. I know. Austin's going to be heading off to basic. He's our, our little our little patriot. Uh, he's going off. Where are you going, Austin? I'm going to Lachlan Air Force Base in San Antonio, Texas. Sounds like it's going to be hot. Hot, hot and steamy. Except you got air conditioning in the Air Force, so you'll be fine. True. Thank God. Just air Force. <laughs> uh, no, was, but uh, yeah. So, oh, that was terrible. So uh, he is going to be he's going to be there in just a couple of weeks. Uh, I think we've mentioned it before, but we are going to have our letters from home segment that we'll be starting up. Uh, we'll be sending an um, we'll send in Austin a letter every single week. Uh, and it's going to have a, a very special format. I think like a two truths and a lie type of thing. Uh, so we're just going to send him some things that did happen in sports, some things that didn't happen in sports. And, uh, and, and that's how we're going to keep him updated. So he, we're going to keep him on his toes. He's not going to really have any clue what's going on because he's not going to know what's real and what's fake. So, um, it was a fun idea when we came up with it, when he first, you know, decided he was going to join the air force and do this. But the way 2020 has gone, like it's going to be so much more fun because literally we've He's learned have no clue anything could happen. Anything can happen. We could also so, throw in some like world news in there and like the oh, way things absolutely. are going, there's no way to predict anything. Yeah. Wait, Austin, are you going to be gone during the election? Uh, yes. <laughs> Holy I will what? actually. Yeah. I will. I guess I'll be able to vote. Kanye has won. Yeah, I, I assume that you might not hear a lot, but I'm I'm sure that the military will keep you informed on who won the election. If I mean, not, I'd imagine then we will. <laughs> It'll kind of be my boss, so I would imagine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's that's true. Um, so I, I actually kind of interested to see like if how they do that. I guess if they don't tug you anything, but 
Um, you know, if you have no real connection to the outside world, but so I just want to keep everyone informed on that and just keep on the lookout for the start of that segment. Uh, but uh, but going to end the show on a bit more of a somber note. I hate having to do this, but I want to give a shout out to me and Austin's alma mater, our high school alma mater, Ashridge High School, uh, right here in Somerville. Uh, they uh, just uh, just this morning it was announced uh, that on Tuesday afternoon one of their players, um, Amari President, who was just 16 years old, um, collapsed and passed away after practice last night. Uh, from all accounts that I've seen in the last couple hours, uh, you know, since this morning that this kid was just an absolute phenomenal stand-up student um, and just human being in general. Uh, he's very involved in his community. Um, it seems that he was uh, very involved in the uh, the Joe Biden campaign for uh, the Democratic primary in South Carolina. I'm not saying this to be political in any way. I don't care what you think, but you got a 16-year-old who can't even vote and is going to go out there and fight for a man to become president, no matter what your beliefs are. That's a pretty stand-up person. He actually garnered a tweet uh, of recognition from Joe Biden himself this afternoon. Some teachers that we've kept in contact with since high school just seem absolutely devastated by the loss of this young man. It's going to be tough for our high school. We've got a brand-new football coach this year who's coming in and going to be, uh, and this is going to be one of the first things he deals with, um, a brand-new principal as well that's coming in, and it's going to be the first thing that she's going to deal with as a principal. So it's absolutely unimaginable for those students and everything. So the Soda City sit-down, um, especially with having two alumni in the podcast, want to extend our thoughts and prayers out to both the uh, the Ashley Ridge Swamp Fox family and the family of Mr. President himself. So I um, wanted to end it with that, um, just to give um, just a little shout-out there. Um, but uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully everyone has a great week, and we'll be back again next week with some more to talk about.